this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back this week with another requested review. Requested, requested review. Bump, bump, bump. Bring it. This is our second in a row. Second week in a row, a requested review. This time it comes from Brian Jensen, first time requester. And he suggested a band called The Origin. Ever heard of The Origin, Jay? Uh, no. And if I did, I would assume they were like a really sweet, like, um, folky kind of metal band. Folky metal band? Yeah. Okay. But I got not. them mixed up with Orion, which was the uh, side project in the in 80s of uh, some of the guys from Journey. And, uh, <laughs> never mind. No, this is a band from uh, San Diego, California. Four piece, put out a couple records, and uh, Brian suggested them. He had some notes for us on the origin. He said, I had a feeling this one would be a stumper since they were only around for about two short years on the alternative scene. They are a lost band of the very early 90s. Their first album from 1990 got a lot of attention from college radio. And really, all there is to show is two music videos um, from that album on YouTube. Both their albums are only available on Amazon, eBay as UCDs. I think they might have been a little too acoustic and melodic to fit in with the grunge that was breaking at the time. In my opinion, Bend, which is the album we'll be reviewing that uh, Brian suggested, is their masterpiece. It has a little bit of everything in it. Elements of psychedelia, funk, blues, and even country. You'll see. Really, the only info out there is on Discogs, All Music, and their Wikipedia article. Anyway, I hope you guys find it worthy of a review. Maybe I'm delusional, but it's one of my favorite albums of the 90s, right up there with albums by Jellyfish, Radiohead, and Catherine Wheel. It's an interesting group. He also said, indirectly, you've sort of heard of them before. If you've heard the piano cover version of Tears for Fears' Mad World from Donnie Darko featuring Gary Jules, the lead singer of the origin, Michael Andrews, composed the soundtrack. And did the music for that cover. He got Gary Gary Jules to sing the lead vocals. Gary was in an early incarnation of the origin. So that might help listeners to connect. That's a good piece of info, actually. Because it kind of puts um, this band and, and, and the careers of some of the artists involved into, into perspective. Uh, do, you, do you know that cover, Jay, of Mad World? I don't think I do. Okay. You should... You should check it out. It's a very different version. No tomorrow, no tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad. The dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you, I find it hard to take. When people run in circles, it's a very, very mad Go listen to Tears for Fears Mad World and then go find the Gary Jules uh-huh. version and you'll be surprised at the difference. 
But it's a very cool cover. Okay, okay. And it's one that people who are fans of Donnie Darko, um, my wife is a big fan of that movie. She loves that cover of that song because it's so different from the original. I've never seen the movie. You've never seen Donnie Darko? Oh, okay. A lot of 80s like synth pop, like Echo and the Bunnymen and uh, some other artists are are on the soundtrack to that and and are featured prominently in that movie. I see. So it makes sense why. The trivia with that is that originally a U2 song was supposed to be used where the Tears for Fears cover got used, but they couldn't get the rights to the U2 song. So that's how the the Mad World cover came in. So I guess it was a a positive uh, happenstance. So let's talk about the history, Jay. History of the band. They formed in San Diego, California in the mid-80s. Um, the primary lineup is Michael Andrews on lead vocals, acoustic, electric, and lap steel guitars. Topper Rimmel on bass and backing vocals. Ronnie Abada on drums and percussion. And Daniel Silverman on piano, keyboards, organ, and backing vocals. So they released their first album, which is self-titled, in April of 1990 on Hut Records in the UK and Virgin Records in the US. They released their second album, Bend, in February of 1992 on Virgin Records. Just five, or, uh, yeah, I guess five months later, in June of 1992, Richard Branson sold Virgin Records to EMI, and EMI dropped the band from the label, and then the band broke up. So I mentioned uh, Michael Andrews. He went on to form another band, um, played in that for a while. That band got tapped to do the soundtrack for a band for an, um, a movie called Zero Effect, and that basically led to Michael Andrews becoming a kind of in-demand soundtrack producer and coordinator, which is how he ended up working on Donnie Darko. And then bring Gary Jules was in an, an early version of the band before they put out the albums, and that's how he ended up working with Gary Jules again. So that's the history of. The origin. I want to remind everybody: if you have a requested review, like Brian, you can head on over to our request review page over at digmeoutpodcast.com and make your request for 2016. If you want to make it for 2017, you can go to Patreon.com/backslash/digmeout and make your monthly donation of 250, and that will give you backstage access to. Bonus clips from the show, advanced previews, various other things. Um, or, like our newest subscriber, Emma McDonald, you can join us at $1, which you'll get those backstage uh, bonuses as well. Just not the uh, album review for 2017. So, there you go. $1 and 250 whatever you're comfortable at. Whatever your uh, you know, spending allowances for the month. Backstage bonuses. Backstage bonuses. Behind the scenes treats. Oh, okay. What did you think I was talking about, Jay? <clears throat> I don't know. You tell me backstage bonus. <laughs> I don't know what you're getting at. Let's talk about this album, Jay. Let's. Let's talk about the origin bend. Last week I made you go first, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start this time. Yeah, about time. I go first every freaking no, week. You, I, that's not true. It is true. I'm I'm taking score. I'm going back and looking. 
I want you to go back through every episode and tally up the number of times I said, you go first and I go first. I think I'll you'll find, you sir, that is 50-50. <laughs> okay, 52-48. It's like the Brexit vote. It's just going to bounce back and forth. <laughs> We're going to have to stay up till 5 a.m. to find out. Right. Rarely do I stay up till 5 a.m. to watch C-SPAN to cover the British uh, referendums, but yet I was you know, compelled to do so. Anyway, let's talk about this album. Let me tell you something I liked about this album, Jay. Tell me. Come on already. And then you're going to tell me something you like. But I'm going to start first. I'm going to tell you one thing I liked about this record, Jay. I, I really like the sound of this record it doesn't to me sound of an era the acoustic guitar guitars on this record sound great the playing is really interesting there's a a lot of intricate finger picking going on a lot of intricate guitar lines that are not showy this isn't you know a virtuoso guitar clinic but there's a lot of really cool folky and yes some some even you know, jellyfish-esque attempts at uh, power pop or progressive power pop, I guess, is jellyfish. Um, and they do a, a really good job of uh, using the acoustic guitars in a way that's not just them strumming a, you know, a A minor or a G chord or whatever and just kind of, you know, running through four chords. It's it's a lot of interesting parts to these songs. I really love their use of the organ. There's a lot of Hammond organ on this. That appears in the first song. There's like this cool descending Hammond riff in the chorus. There's uh, track four, Racing with the Moon. There's a cool acoustic picking part. And then there's a nice organ uh, working with that. aspect of it they do some other uh, just minor things here and there whether it's like on the title track bend i feel like they're using some sort of like synth pads on that song it's it's an interesting sort of really slow dark song but i just i i think this album just sounds really great when you put it on and um and in terms of sounding great too i think michael andrews has a really pleasant voice um he doesn't not stretching and the songs don't call for him to really stretch a whole lot he, he pushes his vocal in a little different direction here and there based on the tempo of the song but um he's got a very like soothing kind of voice almost dreamy at times and not dreamy in like the heartthrob sense but just dreamy in terms of like he almost reminds me of really early like richard ashcroft verve where it's the the vocal kind of melds with the music in a lot of ways so I guess that's one or a couple of things that I, I liked about this record. What about you? Well, I think what you just described is, um, you know, if we were making making a meal here, all the ingredients are good. Um, I think that Hammond B3 is fantastic. Uh, it's used exactly the right way. 
uh, you described that sort of ascending bit in the first song, but it comes in and out of a lot of the songs on the record, if not all, to really add add a little bit of texture, but also kind of mark where the shift happens sometimes. So mm-hmm. in a verse, it can kind of mark where the intensity picks up or if you, they want to shift it a little bit of mel- melancholy. Um, a lot of times it indicates where the chorus is. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, I think that and then that you mentioned the picking kind of technique uh, where, you know, second half of the verse, they'll bring that in. Um, to really kind of up the the drama a bit, they, it's a technique they use quite a bit. I like the overall format of the band, you know, in that it's not um, heavy guitars. You know, it's more about texture and um, acoustic um, sort of instruments. Piano uh, is is on a lot of this record, so I, I think all the pieces and parts are there. It, I think, mentioned to uh, to the effect of it sounding pretty timeless. Like you don't quite always know you know what era this would have been in there's a couple spots where like i think track two it starts off with that kind of keyboardy sound like sample kind of thing that mm-hmm. sounds very like late 80s it's kind of a string yeah uh, keyboard patch and there's a couple other moments like that that date it a bit but for the most part yeah i agree that it sounds pretty timeless and that song uh bonfire is burning that's an interesting song because it has like a funky element to it, a, a, a groove, if you will, that almost reminded me of like early Jamiroquai, like almost like a, a pre, like a, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like there's it's another song. It's kind of Yeah. Well, you know what I wrote down? I wrote down, uh, it, it, it could have been a, it, 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 it's almost a Michael Jackson song. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of like that poppy kind of soul feel and just the even the vocal delivery kind of kind of a soft delivery in the verse. And, yeah, it's a little bit funky, a little soul-y feeling. Um, yeah, I, I, I could hear definitely early Jamiroquai as well. Yeah, and that, there's there's another song um, that has like a funky groove to it, which is Autonomous, track nine. And that one did not work for me as well as an overall. I thought it had a good chorus uh, for that song, but I didn't. I wasn't as, as much a fan of the verses in the same way that I was for the Bonfire is Burning song. Yeah. Um, and that's a tough thing to pull off with this format yeah. of a band. So the fact that they got it right once is, is almost a miracle. Yeah, you know, you know. Well, for that song, I wrote, you know, for the so for the first one, I'm like, oh, this sounds like it, kind of sounds like Michael Jackson or something. Like, you know, this is 
not expected. And then we get to autonomous and my notes on that are that, you know, it kind of sounds like a generic pop band playing a, a local music festival or something. You know what I mean? Like the <laughs> band you get to play the, <laughs> yeah, whatever you sit, city you live in Apple festival. Um, the safe, you know, just like, mid- uh, yeah. Mid- Midwestern. Yeah. Just like middle of the road pop ish music that is somewhat dancey. Like, you know I mean? Like slappy, slappy drums. Um, so yeah, that's like the same kind of concept for a song. One executed pretty well, and then the second, it sounds you know that's what you end up with if it's not executed. Right. I think in terms of you know what uh, other things that worked well, which I was surprised after I listened to this a couple times, is I, I responded more to the slower tracks, like um, track three, Candy Mine, had a yeah. very like early verb shoegaze in and shoegaze not in the my bloody valentine sense but more like in that the record we reviewed my my uh blind mr jones um where yeah. that record is not overwhelmed with guitar and and but it just has this you know laid back kind of vibe to it and uh the, the last track um trapped in a dream machine the thing i really liked about that track even though it's a little long and i didn't care for some of the spoken word stuff is that they do a really good job with the counter melody and harmonies on that song that aren't always present on the rest of the record. Um, and again, it has like this dream pop kind of, you know, sh- uh, style to it that I, I really kind of dug. Um, they don't pull it off as well on like the bend, or, uh, the song bend, which is track 10. Um, that one was a little too slow and quiet for me. Uh, but there's a couple other ones. Giving it all kind of reminded me of like a Neil Young almost kind of song, like a, a slower Neil Young tune. So there was a lot of uh, the mellower stuff that I responded to on this uh, record. I agree. Uh, this is a band that I think works better when there's a little darkness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mixed in, I think when they go slower, things get somber, melancholy. They just naturally get dark. And I think the the contrast just naturally happens with the the singer's voice and the presentation of the music with the instruments and whatnot. It, it goes from, uh, you know, a pretty middle of the road format with some darker material that gets a lot more compelling. So, uh, you mentioned a bit of a shoegaze vibe on, um, was it uh, candy mine? Yeah. And I, I take that back to, uh, Pink Floyd. You know, yeah, that song reminded yeah. me a lot of Pink Floyd. And we've heard, you know, obviously Catherine Wheel can go into a Pink Floyd mode at times. And sure. There's some other gaze bands, I'm sure, that are in that get in that spectrum when the guitars are a little less noisy. And so uh, I, I, I really I appreciated that. I mean, the song's a little a little long. I don't know. We need eight minutes. But yeah, I like the feel of it. And I like the I like that direction for the band.
I like giving it all as well. I can hear the Neil Young thing. I can hear like Eagles, stuff like that, which again, that's a good space for this band to be in. Um, I agree with Trapped in, in a Dream Machine in that they could really benefit from playing off those harmonies because they could, you know, there's a lot of moments on here. They sound very similar to Jellyfish. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's another direction this band could kind of go, you know, so they could get a little bit more musically adventurous, put in some harmonies. Um, I'm sure they could pull that off pretty well. So, yeah, I, I again, I agree that that song, eight minutes and 26 seconds, not necessary, but I like the, I like most of it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, as we start to turn the corner to what we don't like, I'll point out, I pointed out, we pointed out Autonomous, right? That's not very successful. I want to point out, um, Yes, I Want is another song where yeah, it just sounds like, it sounds like 60s garage rock in terms of a, the song, but without any of the raw kind of energy that you would get mm-hmm. from a 60s garage rock band. You know, it's kind of like super simple songwriting. You know, you know, kind of funky or dancey, but it's so polished. The presentation is so polished, and it doesn't lack. It, it just lacks any of that raw, you know, grit that you get from the real thing. That it's just kind of a middle of the road, again, you know, festival, you know, local local band kind of feel. Um, and then I think overall, there's just a lot of material in here that. I think is okay. It's just, it's, it's a pop band that doesn't have a ton of great hooks. I mean, right. I mean, to, to define this band, I, I think there's, they're a down the middle pop band, you know, but I don't hear a ton of hooky melodies and choruses. So it's really hard to, you know, get into a band that it doesn't have a killer chorus when they, when they're, you know, the whole point it seems to be is to be, uh, for the most part, you know, a pop a pop band. Well, I don't know if they're strictly a pop band. I mean, I think they have pop elements, and they have a pop production, but I think that the band is stretching, you know, into some territory with the the you know when you mentioned the Michael Jackson sort of groove and the Verve shoegaze and the Jellyfish sort of uh, you know progressive power pop i would call it and you know the the easy comparison is to, is told to wet sprocket with this band uh, but told to wet sprocket clearly wrote much more hookier choruses and i don't think this band i don't, I don't know that this band was trying to write them and I, I think they were trying to write a bit more moodier songs in a lot of cases which is why i think the stuff that works for me out of the 11 songs you know that the half or so that work for me the best are the ones that tend to not want to be pop songs that just kind of want to set a mood and you know take you along for the ride whereas the songs that are kind of mid tempo or up tempo or you know trying to be a little bit more pop friendly are the ones that don't succeed as well um, cuz i th- i don't think his voice works as well in that format um, i don't i don't know if it's just not strong enough for me but i th- feel like he works better when it's a bit more you know, just depressing. We're not. I mean, maybe not depressing is the right word. Yeah. Just uh, introspective and and uh, not going for the big pop sound. I guess. I, 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 so I won't do on the pop thing. I'll just say. I guess. Uh, 
I don't know what the band is, right? So they kind of do a yeah. lot of different things, but they don't do any one of those things exceptionally well. Um, it's good musicianship, but it doesn't go to the point of like being um, the that that's not the hook, for lack of a better term. You know, you don't get drawn in of like, wow, that was an incredible solo, or did you hear that part they just did? You know, there's none of that. Um, the bass player is is really busy. Call that out. Um, the songwriting's middle of the road. I think from a mood standpoint, like there's times when it gets there, um, but not enough. And it doesn't go far enough to really like, if that's the, if that's the direction they want the band to take, then, you know, it kind of comes up a little bit short there. So it's just, a, you know, it's kind of a, a little bit of everything, but, not any one particular thing, you know, that's um, incredible. I, I, I kind of disagree with you a little bit in that I think that there are some spots where they really do show off some really interesting stuff. I think Racing with the Moon is a good example where it's 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 a very like tense up tempo song in the way that the it's got the it starts with like the organ and then that drum beat which is like a double time kind of you know pulsating beat. And when that, at like the minute mark, when that acoustic guitar comes in, that picking part, that's a really cool picking part, and it sounds really good. Um, yeah. And it, you're expecting this song to, like, I think you're expecting the song to, like, kind of get really big at some point, and they actually mm-hmm. take it in a different direction, and they go to, like, a halftime slow, right. slower part, which, you know, it, it reminded me, I don't know if you remember... Um, uh, on the last Catherine Will album, Wishville, there's a song called Ballad of the Running Man. Yep. Which does that same thing, but they did it 10 years later, where the verses are like this kind of pulsing, you know, kind of not double time, but they're close to that. And then there's that like um, part where it slows and slows and slows, and then it goes into this like halftime part. Very like similar idea to what goes on in that song. Um, that's a tricky thing to do what they do in this song in racing with the moon. And I think all the elements that are in that song work really well for me. I agree before you leave that song though. I, I totally agree with all those points except I can't tell you what the hook of that song is. You know what I mean? Like I know all those parts you're talking about and I appreciate them all too, but like I couldn't sing you what the chorus of that song is. I could sing you the chorus of ballad of running man. You wouldn't want me to do that, but I know what yeah, the belly is, but the, this no, one, agree. I'm like, I, I vocally, I don't even remember what he does. He kind of just moans along with the music, and that, yeah, those that shift to halftime was really cool. No, there's um, not a strong chorus in that song. The, 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 that whole song is made by the music essentially. Yeah. Um, his his vocal is fine, but it's just kind of laying on top of the song. And it's not really pushing the the song the way that the music is. And yeah, his I, I would say the weakest link of this band is its ability to write a hook that said there are bands that we've reviewed where the band was so good that you kind of overlook the fact that sometimes the hook isn't the best thing sure yeah or the energy is so amazing you're just like i'm just so caught up in like this band performing that right i can forget that you know the hook wasn't you know beatles-esque or the ramones yeah it's okay because it works on so many other levels. And I, th- that's why the the last song on this is, to me, one of the highlights, is because I wish they had done more of the harmonies and, and counter-melodies 
because of the fact that the a lot of times the vocals by itself and knowing that they had somebody else that could sing in the band uh, yeah. it would have been nice to to break that out more often i know bands get like hesitant about using that as too much because then it's like you know then you have two lead singers essentially but oh god can't have that you know well one one guy with lead singer disease is enough <laughs> well singers. yeah when you're in the band it makes all the sense in the world but when you're in our seat now you're like yeah why don't you just do what works yeah well and, <laughs> don't and, overthink it yeah and do what creates the most interesting song yeah yeah so and you know and we'll get to it in our in our overall review for this record but i think there's enough stuff here that it's worth checking out i just don't think it's going to connect with everybody maybe the same way that it did with Brian. But we can get to that. We can go through our, you know, overall rating. Not overall rating, but our overall thoughts and, and go through... Um, well, I guess we can do overall rating. That's <laughs> the same thing. Let's talk Let's talk about our, our overall rating, Jay. Let's just get to that. Let's get to it. Yeah. I'm going to go first. Worthy album, better EP, decent single. Where are you at? I'm at an EP. I... I would cherry pick uh, Candy Mine, Giving It All, Racing with the Moon, Trapped in a Dream Machine. I think those are the songs I think that work the best on the record. And I'd be good with that. So what is that, five? Uh, yeah, four or five. I could throw another one in there. but I'm at seven. So I guess that, that's really close to an album. What are you going to do? I don't know. I th- well, you know what? That includes an eight-minute-long song. So if we're talking 70s album, I guess that makes it an album. <laughs> I guess I just gave it a worthy album in 1977. Okay. okay. Now, in 1997, that's not going to be a worthy album. 1992. 1992, yeah. Uh, so I, I would say it's a worthy album in the sense that I, I think that the seven songs that I like, which are... One, two, three, four, six, eight, and eleven. Um, I, th- I think that those are all strong tracks and show off, you know, a band that has a lot of different ideas, but finds a way to kind of combine them into a singular sound. Some of the other songs are just, in certain ways, just don't work for me. Whether it's the slowness of the bend of Trek 10 bend. I want to keep calling it the bends. Um, uh, you know, yes, I want, like we talked about that just didn't, that sound doesn't work for me. And track five, never again. That one was one that just did the chorus just fell flat for me on that song. So exactly. So did you think it was weird how this record starts? Just the way that the first song cuts in, it sounds like a mistake almost. It's such a harsh cut in. It always yeah, all, just, all, so everything's abrupt. starting on the one. Yeah, it's just so abrupt. It's like uh, it sounds like a mis- like there's an uh, it was cut too short or something. Yeah, it's I weird. needed like stick clicks. I need like click, yeah, click something blah, blah. like a br- just like a little breath or something. You know what I mean? Like uh, just give me a a, bl- a bit of air. It just the way it cuts in so dr- so quickly. It's it yeah, it's like halfway through a guitar strum. Like it's yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty abrupt bizarre way to start a record and, and considering how like it sounds like everything was pretty thought through on you know the instrumentation and the 
songwriting yeah. and all that that it's such a it's weird it's the whole band start it, i mean it's the whole band playing and they're kind of playing like uh you know the rhythm isn't exactly like you know just like a four four it's kind of got a swing to it or a sway so it like it cuts right in and then it's all the instruments at once and it even it takes you like you know a couple seconds to even orient yourself like what's going on right <laughs> like, <laughs> just uh yeah it seems like the rest of the record is way more considered and every time i've re-listened to it i've sort of taken aback by that yeah I, you know now that you mentioned it yeah it is a little it's a little uh, odd we need to thank brian jensen for suggesting this record which i gave a worthy album j an ep give it a d- better ep uh so we have a disagreement first one in a little while on this but not a not a throwing you know stuff at each other you know crazy well, i mean you have to be you have to be wrong every now and then right and i appreciate you referring to yourself in the third person or in the second person there i guess or the first calling seventh. yourself wrong the seventh person um want to remind everybody if you like what you heard please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at itunes Join us at Patreon, one dollar, two fifty. What did I say, Jay? Backstage bonuses. Lots of backstage bonuses. Yeah, lots of backstage bonuses. If you want to request a review, digmeoutpodcast.com. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. You can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com backslash digmeout or requesting a review for the 2016 season at our request a review page at digmeoutpodcast.com.